Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to The Makers of Minnesota, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And we are in the midst of coronavirus 2020. We are talking to makers who were clicking along and things were looking great. And then all of a sudden, coronavirus happened and they've had to pivot and figure out how to continue to do business in light of what is the new reality for now and you know whether that will stay the same or whether that will change it's particularly interesting to speak to farmers this time of year because they're planning their crops and I'm here with Carla Mertz from Iron Shoe Farm and Carla you are a very unique farmer for lots of reasons but you had done a lot of your farming in a uh, controlled environment and you were selling a lot to restaurants microgreens like I think 90% of your business was microgreen sales to restaurants wasn't mm-hmm. that right yeah that's correct so all of a sudden you know you're set up to do this sp- particular type of farming and all of a sudden the restaurants shut down and overnight your business just is done in that regard and you have to pivot tell me like what that felt like it was daunting um we you know we we've had really great partnerships and the fact that like you said 90 percent of our business model was restaurants and we we had a direct to consumer market um the last seven years of farming so we have we're known as a diversified farm so we have beef and pork, chicken, microgreens, edible flowers. And our mainstay, though, with the restaurants was this product of microgreens being local and fresh. And as we're watching the news and hearing from the governor that, you know, now these restaurants are closed and they won't be opening most likely till May or after, it it really sunk my stomach. And I just felt that just like many other businesses, you have panic, you have a little bit of the what am I going to do now? Yeah. Um, And having the mindset of I've gone through the recession, I had another business model in the past. Um, It was really easy for me to kind of act, act quickly, and really get the creative juices flowing of how can I recoup that business because we've lost, you know, $16,000 worth of microgreen sales instantly. And then I had that product sitting on my shelf for the following week of delivery. And well, what am I going to do with this? And luckily, there have been some really great um, community kitchens popping up. And I just said, I'm going to donate this product because it needs to be consumed. It's perishable. I have to get it out there in two days. And so we worked with Brian Ingram and Justin Sutherland and donated that product. So the community had something um, in addition to what they were already being given uh, for food consumption. And I mean, that was a feel good thing for us, too, because then we knew it was going to the consumer still um, and to the public. Um, And that's what we've always been here for um, is the consumer market. And in speaking with our customers, I said, "Okay, well, what do you think of doing an online platform selling um, through our our web page? And they're going, yeah, do it. And 
So for us, we, we created the pantry. Um, it's a tab on our online store on our website. And now people are placing orders for um, meat packs. And we have a CSA pack that includes this product. And now we're getting microgreens out in the hands of the public. So they're being educated on what it is and how to use it. And working with people like David Fema, who used the product on a pizza, on an Instagram video. And so we're getting the product out there. Um, so people can learn how to cook with it too. What is different um, about microgreens? So microgreens are an edible plant. They are grown to the first set of leaves um, in this stage of the growth cycle. They are a really quick turnaround product. So for us, we plant we planted every Monday, and then we're literally harvesting the following week. So they're a fast growing green, and it's everything from broccoli, kale, kohlrabi, cabbage, beets, uh, sorrel, you name it, it can pretty much be grown in uh, a microgreen form. And they're usually an inch to two inches tall. Pea shoots are a really great product. They have great high levels of protein. Many of these microgreens are four to 40 times more nutritious than their full-grown counterpart vegetable. So you're getting sulfonates in broccoli, which help combat cancer. You're getting high levels of vitamin A, B, E, and K, um, along with those protein counts in pea shoots and fava beans. Um, it's They're pretty amazing. They're, and they're, they're so super tasty. Foods. They're super tasty. Yeah, because they taste so they... like a the freshest version of the uh, full experience of the vegetable or the plant down right. the road, right? Right. So if you think of, we use the term vegetable confetti just because they're so beautiful to look at. And in in talking with the consumer and even the chef customer base, the, the flavor profile is so intense. It's It blows your mind. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's I saw that amazing. video where David Fima put it on pizza. And I make a lot of pizza and I'd never thought to put microgreens on it. Super great. Way. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. oh, this is a great idea. So And it's they're great. The color we do popcorn shoots. They're bright yellow. They're grown in the dark. They taste like a sugar cube. So they remind you of state fair food. Um and we have a friend that has a pizza farm in the Princeton area and she had put this with a corn base on her pizzas and then used those shoots on top. It, it was dynamite. Yum. Cool. It sounds so good. Yeah. So you right away pivoted to going yes. to direct to consumer. Can you do the same volume of business doing that? Or are you just trying to hang on until you can get back into your restaurants? It's kind of a little bit of both. So we, we added the store to help at least get some of that income coming in. Um, it's not nearly as much as what we were doing before, but we're still being supported. Um, I think now more than ever, it's been really great to see the community come together and even reach out and um, come to us as a farm and say, I can't find eggs. And do you have any? And and we've been, you know, limiting as well. We do two dozen per household just because we don't have thousands of chickens, but we have some, so we've got that quantity. But what we've also been doing is we've been doing some add-on partnerships on our 
on our store page. So we've brought in, um, we'll be working with Fern, Ferndale Turkey. Um, uh-huh. So we're adding another product line to what we're delivering in conjunction with our own. Um, we're having communication with um, other farmers that do greens and pestos and utilizing all of those local Minnesota-made products to add to what we're doing. Um, that makes me I so happy. It's such a cool experience, and everyone has been super supportive. And the farmers that I've been talk- talking to, it's you have these conversations, and you laugh and you cry, and you have the similar experience. And we always advocate for our local farms, farm friends. And we actually were starting to do some of this additional uh, distributing for other farms before this all happened. And we brought in a local um, rabbit uh, farmer and they're out of the Hinkley area because we were told that you can't find rabbit yeah, for meat. It's hard. And um, we were told by the U of M with their executive chef that it was the number one meat protein source in Minnesota in the 1900s. And to hear that, it was really refreshing because I think when it comes down to it, it's a local food. It always has been. And to get people to kind of be curious and try new things. It's actually been a great add-on to us. Um, we work with another farmer that does local honey. We had our trees tapped by a hobbyist uh, maple syrup maker. So we have maple syrup. I mean, there's just been a lot of really cool things that have come out of this and some really great friendships that I think are going to be around for a very, very long time because of this. It's and you really are, cool. you're also selling meat and a lot of, it looks like you're back ordered. So that seems like it's going great. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are back ordered, but but the cool thing is we have, you know, pigs going in for butcher tomorrow. We have um, partnerships with other beef farmers that if I don't have something, I can reach out to them and see what their stock is so I can get, you know, ground beef and maybe some steaks and brats. And, and we try and do the best we can. But we found that even if we get back ordered, the customer is really willing to wait, even if it's a week or two. Um, yeah, because they're experiencing that same wait through Instacart and the grocery system right now. Yes. Yeah. So we really haven't gotten any flack from that, which is good for us as we're learning the whole new model. And like I said, I can't, I can't be thankful enough for, for everything that the the consumers have been doing. When people Um, order these shares and these products, how are they delivered? So I've actually been delivering them myself. So they'll place the order online. Um, They put a cooler outside when they're not home. Um, And we literally do like a curbside drop off, if you will. Mm -hmm. So we go, we go around the Twin Cities. Um, I have a delivery route that I do three days a week. Um, So we do the St. Paul area, Minneapolis on Tuesdays. Um, On a Wednesday, I'll go to the Wyzetta Bay area. and down through Minnetonka. And then Thursdays, we tend to keep a little bit more local business to the North Metro. Uh, And then we also will do on-farm pickup, which is kind of ever-changing, if you will. We had a lot of people that would come to the farm, they'd want to see everything, um, but now with some biosecurity measures and just not knowing how that's going to work with transferring to animals, we, we now have people pick up. We have a large cooler that we have outside 
and their order is right inside. They can pick up and then they can go. So the nice thing is that they've already prepaid online. Right. So so you're not having it, to exchange cash and exactly. And it's really slick. They're um, all their product is uh, bagged and ready to go, and all they do is open up the cooler and take their product. You're farm looks so beautiful and I know I was going to be coming out to do a farm dinner in the spring that I know has been canceled but we'll get back there someday right how did you get into farming was this something you grew up with (laughs) was um so my background I grew up in the inner city uh lived in the suburbs <laughs> i've kind of been a, a traveling kid i've been all over um inner city and then a suburbanite brat kid and then met my husband and we moved up to zimmerman eventually and then to princeton my great-grandfather was a rancher out in south dakota um so I like to say it skipped a couple generations. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband actually grew up um, going to his grandparents' farm in Foley. They did dairy cattle and uh, hogs. And he also used to catch chickens for Golden Plump. So he kind <laughs> of had a little bit of um, egg background, I guess, just being a kid going to the farm. Um, but the reason why we have our farm is our daughter was really ill when she was three years old. She had rotavirus, which is a gastrointestinal mm-hmm. bacterial infection. Now there's a vaccine for it, but she um, she nearly died from it. It was a really scary experience. Um, after we got home, we had to literally teach her body how to consume food all over again. Oh. Um, and so for me, I was, I was told that she shouldn't have soy, um, that she had an intolerance to it. And the pivotal moment for me is when I had my entire boxed pantry out on my countertop. I had maybe like six things left in there and I just went, oh my God. And we just had a wake up moment and we had eight, we ate good, but I grew up eating, you know, cream of mushroom soup on potatoes and yep. ground beef and just, you know, really easy, quick foods that my mom had made my dad. And we, our version of fresh veggies was the occasional salad and canned green beans, yep. you know? And so for me to go through this with my daughter, we learned really fast that we just wanted fresh and local ourselves. And my husband and I always wanted a hobby farm of some sort. We went through the recession we experienced what that was and we just made that decision after a while that we wanted to look for land and we wanted to be self-sustaining we wanted a couple pigs we wanted beef cows we wanted to know where our food was coming from we wanted our own fresh eggs and we all we learned everything on our own through the help with of course like the extension and sustainable farming association and so i started going to classes and learning what it was all about and our first beef sale was a result of me getting in a car accident and seeing my chiropractor and her asking me what are you doing these days I'm like <laughs> I bought a farm and she goes do you have beef like was super excited do you have beef and I was like yeah I want a quarter beef I went okay All <laughs> so right. I learned I learned what that was like and what we had to do to sell to the public and called the Department of Agriculture and they've been super helpful over the course of six years and the rest is history it's just been a really really cool thing it's been amazing. Can you talk about the way that you grow the microgreens? Because they don't touch soil. I mean, I, I met you at the state fair. I saw you speak at uh, the Minnesota Cooks event that they have a whole day out at the state fair. I just looked at you and thought, wow, here is this super bright person 
who was not necessarily what you would think of as like a farmer kid. And yet you had this entire farm and you had so many different revenue streams. You had the microgreens, you had an event set up so people could rent the farm for weddings. You had the cows, the pigs, the chickens. Now you've got a whole pantry that you're doing. Plus you are very interested in education and you're, you expose yourself to other farmers and help them. Like I just really was impressed by you. Tell me about how you learned about how to set up this microgreen farm. So microgreens, my first experience with microgreens was I went with um, friends of mine that I had worked with uh, about four years ago, and we went to the Northeast Social, and I raised Muscovy duck, and they had Muscovy duck on the menu, and I was really curious to see how the chef prepared it mm-hmm. and um, it came with a side salad, a pea shoot side salad that had um, uh, loose peas in it. And then it had the pea shoots and then there was a vinaigrette on the top of it. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to give that a whirl and see what it's like. Never had these before. And then I came home and I told my husband, I'm like, Oh my God, this was the best meal I've had in a long time. And we like, look at, we have to look at pea shoots. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, we need to just like, look it up. And he's like, you're nuts. We are not growing those. There's no way. I was like, okay, fine. And I walked away from it. And just trying to like find a niche, kind of a niche product for us. That was something different that I hadn't seen in the marketplace very much. And he came back to me two days later and he goes, do you know like how much of a revenue stream we would have of this going like all year round if we grew these indoors? I was like, no. He goes, look at this. <laughs> and so we're looking at the numbers and he's an engineer. So he he's all about the bottom line. What's our return on investment? And so we bought like a hobbyist kit and started, we we grew in a bunch of different ways. And so we started with soil and tried hydroponic. And for us, we actually went back to the soil method the last year. And it was, so we grow these in soil. Um, it's a peat moss, perlite, mm-hmm. cocoa coir mix. And so we spread the seeds down, grow for a week. And that's kind of how we got into it. It was just, well, we'll go to the local restaurant in town here and see if there's, you know, a chance that he might buy them from us. Did you do the sales yourself? Yeah, we did. I I know this about you, that you just call people and say like, hey, I have this thing. (laughs) You want to try it? I'll bring some down. You're really uniquely gifted in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, total cold call. Um, A lot of my my entrepreneur friends are like, you're like the networking queen. Yep. (laughs) And I said, I guess I'm just not afraid to go out and talk to people. I'm very extrovert that way. And that helps. And I guess there's there's that passion there. I think get excited about the product and talk about it. And we've learned so much through um, the chefs that are buying our product of how to use it so we can educate other people and how to like even dehydrate it and add it into sourdough bread and you kind of get that herb flavor to Mm -hmm. it and just different ways of being innovative with it Um, how do you find time to you know be (laughs) running this farm with live animals which isn't easy and doing sales calls and doing deliveries like do you have a staff or tell me like what your typical day is like so we um typical day for us is we and there isn't really a typical day. <laughs> That's kind of a just a given. My husband works full time. Um, when we first started the farm, I worked full time as well. Um, but now I'm more full time farming. And 
we have one daughter. She's 17 um, now, and she helps us occasionally. She's like any other kid when you're asked to do home chores. It's like, oh, you know, do I have to kind of a thing? And so it's the three of us. We fortunately in October hired our first two employees ever on payroll, which was really exciting. And will you be so able have, to retain them? Do you think? Yes, we we actually uh, gave them a couple weeks off because we knew this was coming up. Um, so we had some pre-planning that we were able to do with our employees, and they they totally understood kind of what was going on. And um, they even said they're like, just give us a call when you're ready to start back up. Um, they've been really wonderful to work with, and we've even you know gone to one a couple different restaurants and have bought food for them and are sharing the wealth. It's not like we've completely stopped Mm -hmm. um, with that work, but we have, they're both part-time. One is like a 25 hour a week employee. The other does about 10 to 15 hours a week. And we just schedule our projects out. And I know that my days are all kind of allocated to what we need to do. Like Mondays are my planting days for microgreens. I allot two to three hours for my deliveries when I go do deliveries. Now my daughter is able to drive, so we get to have her kind of go on the road and do some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an integral role for her. And then my husband is so wonderful to have. He loves tinkering and working on some of the projects and feeding the animals. And so those are things that we don't want to take away from our own day and livelihood because those are things we enjoy. Mm -hmm. And being outside like now more than ever has just been so therapeutic to just be able to go outside and be with the animals and in tune with the land. So we, we set aside certain days for certain entities. So on Tuesdays, we, we do more time with our chickens and make sure the pens are all cleaned out and wash things down. Um, and then we have days allocated for our hogs. And, and you so schedule so everything. That, I don't yeah, know I do. why I'm surprised by that, but I am. <laughs> I have a calendar. So I literally, I have alarms in there that beep at me when I need to go you know, kind of do things. I'm, I'm a planner that way. You have to be. And, and I want to have a personal life too. So for me, I've just got to, not that I'm anal retentive about it. Like I'm not, I don't always stick to it consistently, but it's there for a guideline. Right. Um, and it's been hard during this time because so many of us are working from home and I always worked yeah. from home. So it's just been a pivot of having, you know, to deal with more meals and, you know, you can't of just course. run to the store when you need something. I used to eat out, yeah. you know, four yeah. or five times a week and now we're eating out once a week. Uh, Mm -hmm. just with by ordering in to support the restaurant industry and you know every Mm -hmm. day it's like okay what am I going to make today I have to say I had bought a half of a hog uh, this year for the first time ever yeah I'm so glad I have loved it so much I'm now on the hunt for beef so we'll probably have Mm -hmm. to talk about that once I'm finding I don't have enough freezer space is my biggest problem (laughs) and there's no freezers to buy Um, Oh, you're not alone. Yeah, people are trying to find freezers and there's been a shortage apparently. So until that day, I just, I really advocate for this idea of buying direct from your farmers. It's been so great. Not only is the product better, 
Because I, I would yeah. never really buy grocery store pork. I always just felt like it tasted kind of like urine, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I could smell mm-hmm. the smell of the meat was gross mm-hmm. to me. And so I've been really just enjoying like, A, having pork back in my life. But B, yeah. during this pandemic, you know, knowing that like I have all this meat and, you know, I like right. to eat meat. I do. I'm, right, right. Meatless Monday is fine. I eat meatless quite a bit too, but I love mm-hmm. meat. I think it's great. Right. So for me- yeah before this even happened, that had been a shift for me. And I, I feel like the bright side of this for farmers is if we can, I mean, people want to go back to the farm. People are excited about supporting local people again. And they are understanding how much their dollar we're being forced in some respects to shop on Amazon and some of these other online platforms, which is fine for some things, but it's also great to support your local people. And Sometimes it costs a little bit more, but sometimes it doesn't. You just have to do the research, figure out what works for you. Well, that's even when we're we're selling our products. So we cooperatively farm with other beef farmers, but they they're the the one farmer is Lawrence Herfords, or they're a mile away from us. We actually bought our genetic line from them, so we know the quality and consistency is there with the product. And then working with another farmer who purchases the same genetic line, we all feed spent grain. We all use that product from the local brewery, from Lupulin Brewery in Big Lake. We we then have our certain um, feed consistency on top of them being pasture-raised. And you're getting far more nutrients from that beef than you are from something that's saying on the shelf from a local grocer that's coming from who knows where. Right. And that's where looking at those labels is really important. And honestly, if you're eating food that's from your back like your background like your back door whether it's 50 miles away from you or 100 or 500 you're going to be healthier so there's so much data that gets involved in that and it's pretty interesting it's like spinach whatever you grow in your back door is going to be far more rich in nutrients than what you get on the store shelf which loses 60 percent of the vitamins by the time you eat it yeah you don't realize how far things are coming to your right produce counter Right. Um, well, it's been super great to talk to you again. Um, I know you're planning on some farm events. Are those just on hold until we know what's going to happen here? They are. We had one. Yeah, we had, um, our first one with chef Steph from the women's club was, um, going to be next weekend. And then we had chef Taylor O'Brien with uh, Renaissance Depot that was, um, going to be here at the end of the month and Adam Milaj from, uh, Urte in the Peacock Lounge. So we've pushed those back by about a month. And and we did some things in retrospect too about, you know, really paying attention to that restaurant industry. If if they're going to be opening in May, we really don't want to slam them with having to do a farm event here right. um, in May. So we'll probably be pushing things out to June, end of May, beginning of June. And yeah, we're just postponing things right now, seeing how things work. And everyone's been really receptive about that. Um, with even saying, we'll just wait until you have a rescheduled yeah, date. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, people are still excited. They really want the experience of being on the farm, coming here, eating good food. It's just that whole local story, which we're really excited to be able to promote. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you and to help promote you as we go throughout the summer here. So let's check Thank back you. in um, when okay. your events are happening. It is Iron Shoe Farm. You can shop them right now by going to the pantry tab and seeing pictures of their beautiful farm. Carla, it's been great to talk to Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Stay safe. You too.